only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? I be able to speak it all I can only imagine I can only imagine I can only imagine when that day comes and I find myself standing in the sun I can only imagine when all I will do is forever, forever worship you, I can only imagine.
Amen. If you have your Bible, I'd ask you to turn with me to Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Title of the message today is, Why Can't I Change? Why Can't I Change? I'm going to come to that verse in just a minute, if you'll find it and hold it there for just a second. Recently, I received a piece in the mail. It looked like a personal letter. Uh, It uh, caught my attention, of course. It said, uh, if you have ever secretly felt that you were too fat or too skinny or too lazy or too compulsive or too depressed, this letter is for you. (laughs) I wondered which one of you gave them my name (laughs) and address. I get things in the mail all the time that uh, say, uh, you know, your life can be changed for $29.95. <laughs> when I get mail like that, I say to myself, who buys stuff like that? Well, the fact is that you and I do. Uh, we buy those stuff because we might have some little thing in our life that we're not wild about and that we want to change, that we want to make better. I read in the newspaper that there are over 2,000 self-help books coming out every year across America. Our bookstores are just filled with them, how we can improve ourselves. When I get uh, uh, the feeling that that uh, is abounding in folks all across our country, I want to talk with them about what I think really does help. If you have some things that are out of control, uh, maybe this morning, uh, why can't I change would be a message that would be for you and me. Some things might be our temper gets out of control, our spending, our eating, our mood swings, our drinking, our inappropriate sexual desires, our procrastinating, our bad habits, Have you ever really thought about breaking free of the hang-ups and the hurts and the bad habits that we have that really mess up our lives? This morning, I want us to look at the problem, why can't I change? Roman 1, the problem. Paul summarizes the problem in our text for today, Romans 7, verse 15. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Can you relate to that? I can. He's saying the things that I really want to do, for whatever reason, I can't do or I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I keep doing those things over and over again. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it again and again. A cowboy that became a Christian said, I feel like I've got two horses living inside of me, and they are pulling in opposite directions. When someone heard him say that, he said, well, which which one wins? And the cowboy said, the one I say giddy up to. 
You know, in some ways, we're in kind of a civil war within ourselves. We have issues that we're trying to handle, that we're trying to take care of. Part of me wants to do what's right, and the other part of me doesn't. Jesus said it like this, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many of you made New Year's resolutions this year? How many of you? Raise your hand. Don't be bashful. Don't be bashful. A few of you did. Did you keep them until February? <laughs> you know, resolutions really don't work very well. Good intentions are seldom enough to really change us. It takes more to change than just good intentions. The results are predictable. Uh, there are three results from good intentions, confusion, frustration, and defeat. Paul tells us in our passage that this baffles him. Why do I keep making the same mistakes over and over? Why do I act in ways that are bad for me? That's what Paul's saying. Answer, it's confusion. He said that he had the desire to do what was right, but he didn't have the power, the power inside of him. Most of us have attempted to go on a diet. We start out with great intentions. I'm going to diet. Today is the day. I'm going to start today. And as the day goes by, our, our resolve kind of uh, wavers a bit. I don't know about you, but when I get home, my idea of a balanced diet is a Klondike in both hands. <laughs> get out of my way. I'm heading for the fridge. Frustration. You know, what I want to change... Uh, I don't seem to know how to do. I have the motivation, but I don't have the determination. I have the desire, but I don't have the power. That is the trouble with self-help books. You read the self-help book, and they tell you what to do. One, two, three, four, do these things. But it doesn't say how to get the power to do it. No self-help book can give you the power to change. You read suggestion after suggestion, and your big question is, well, how? How do I do it? How do I get the power to do that? Paul says that he is frustrated. He's like a squirrel in a cage, and the cage is just going round and around and around. He says, I, I stumble, I get up, I stumble, I get up, I stumble, I get up. The confusion, the frustration, brings us to the last thing. It brings us to defeat. Paul says in Romans 7, 24, it is an agonizing situation. Who can set me free from the prison of this mortal body? He's saying, I'm losing the battle. Will you help me? My life is a mess. I just can't change. You know, if Paul can say that, then, uh, you know, we can say it as well. How many promises have I made to myself that I haven't kept? How many promises have I made to God 
that I haven't kept. Finally, we get so tired, we want to say, well, just forget it. I give up. I give up. Now, if you felt this way, I have great, great news for you. You can change. The power is there. And, of course, Paul found it. And it blessed him. And it grew him. It developed him. It matured him. And, of course, it's there for us as well. We don't have to stay in the cycle of frustration and defeat. Roman 2, God's promise is for you. Jesus said in John 8, 32, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. I want you to notice that the secret to personal change is not willpower. That's not it. It's not fat farms. It's not pills. It's not resolutions. It's not a gimmick. It's none of those things. Jesus said that the way to break free from a bad habit, a hurt, a hang-up, is by knowing the truth. You may be sitting there saying to yourself, how do you know that? How can the truth set me free? Listen, the way you think determines the way you feel. And the way you feel determines the way you act. If I'm acting depressed, it's because I feel depressed. If I feel depressed, it's because I am thinking depressed thoughts. Most of us try and work on our outside action, our external behavior. God says that you need to start on the inside, not the outside, the inside. When you know the truth, it comes out in your life. Bad belief cause bad behavior. Every behavior you experience, good or bad, is based on a belief or a value that you have in your life. If you want to change the way you act, you have to change the way that you believe. You must have the truth in you. Behind every self-defeating behavior, there is a lie that I believe. That's very important to know. Behind every self-defeating behavior is a lie that I believe. I believe something about myself that isn't true. I am believing something about others that is not true. I'm believing something about God that is not true. I'm believing something about success and failure that is not true. I am holding on to something in the past that I believed back then and it's still with me today. Jesus says when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. We're going to challenge the untruths and the faulty misconceptions that keep us hung up and bound and captive. Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Today, I want to talk with you about three things that you need to know to be able to change, to change anything in your life, to change your perspective, your future, your destiny, 
to change everything. Number one, acknowledge the root of my problem. The root. It's inside. It's not external. It's inside. Most of us have a vague feeling that something inside of us is wrong. It might not be a great big thing, but we think, you know, there's, there's got to be something wrong with me. I wonder if it's something that my parents did or, or happened early in my life, or is it something that, that uh, has just kind of come on me gradually? Something is wrong inside of me. I don't know what it is. I can't seem to put my finger on it, but I know that something is not quite right. Well, God did put his finger on it. God says that your basic problem is an attitude that you have toward life, toward God, and toward self. There is a basic attitude that you have that is the very root of your problem. This attitude has a name. It is something that you don't hear much about anymore. Nobody likes to talk about it. No president ever, ever mentions it. We don't like to say it, but it defines what this attitude is. Here it is. It's sin. It's sin in our life. That's what it is. Preacher, that's not it. Yes, that is it. That's the root of all of our problems. Sin is not uh, getting drugged up. Sin is not getting drunk. Sin is not running off with somebody else's wife. All of that is the result of sin. That's the result. Sin is an attitude that says, I am in charge and I don't need God. I'm in charge, not God. You might want to write this down in your Bible somewhere. Sin is the attitude, I'm in charge and I don't need God. The attitude is the root of all of our problems. It's man's oldest problem. It's been around since Adam and Eve. I'm going to ignore God, and I'm going to do just exactly what I want to do. That's the basic root problem. John, 1 John 1.8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. John's telling us that, that we make things worse when we say, well, I don't have any problems. What are you talking about? I don't have a single problem. Well, you're lying. That's the problem there. John is telling us that no one is perfect, not one of us. I know some folks that I think are pretty close, but none of us are perfect. You aren't fooling God. You're not fooling other people. The only person that you are fooling uh, when you say that you got every single thing together is yourself. You're fooling yourself. In order to stop defeating myself, I must first stop deceiving myself. 
The root problem is that we don't think we have a problem. And consequently, we don't need God. Listen, all of us here today need God. We need him desperately. He made us that way. There is a void. There is a, a, an empty space in our heart and mind and soul. Unless God is there, we've got a major, major problem. We have some counselors in our church. If you were to ask any of them what's the biggest problem in our society today, they would probably say something like this. Our biggest problem is that people wait too long to get help. You know, there's a lot of help available. Available. If you've got something wrong with your eye, you go to the eye doctor. If you've got something wrong with your foot, you go to the foot doctor. What do you do if there's something wrong with your soul? Do you listen to the wackos on, on the radio or the TV that have answers for everything? except the right answer. I, I feel like we just have to acknowledge the issue. We have to acknowledge the problem that's in our life. The first step to breaking free is to admit, well, I do have a problem. I have a problem in this area. There are some areas in my life that are out of control. I've worked with it and worked with it, and I've, I've uh, been defeated. You know, I still have it. I can't get rid of it. I need help. You know, when you say, it's like the alcoholic. When you say that, you have taken a giant step forward. I'm an alcoholic. I need help. You know, when you say that, when you get to that point, you're really moving in the right direction quickly. You may be saying, well, I want to change, but I don't have the power. Is there any hope? Yes, that brings us to step number two. Believe that Christ can change us. That's what we have to do. Uh, we acknowledge the root of our problem, and then we have to believe that Christ can change me. Romans 7, 24 says, Who can set me free from this prison? I thank God there is a way out. Through Jesus. Paul is telling us that the answer is a person. God has the power that you are lacking. You don't have the power to change, but God has it. He has all the power. All the power in the world, he has. God has all the power, and he offers that power to each and every one of us through his son Jesus. He wants to help us through the hang-ups and the bad habits that we have developed. But you must believe that Christ can change you, and you have to relate to him before the great changes will be made. Recently, I read a story about a, a Chinese Christian man who came to America. He moved over here, and he started going around giving his testimony, and it was a powerful testimony. A lot of people uh, were really blessed by it. He based, this is kind of the nutshell of it. He said, I walked through the road of life and I fell into sin. I got into the ditch real far, way down in the ditch. Muhammad came along and he said, you are really not in that ditch. You just think you are. Buddha came along and said, there are seven steps. 
by which you get out of the ditch. If you climb and you struggle, you'll get out of the ditch. Well, I tried. I climbed and struggled, but I didn't get out of the ditch. Then Confucius came along and said, here are ten steps of self-attainment by which you may come out of the ditch. If you'll come halfway out, I'll meet you there and I'll help you out. But struggle as I would and struggle as I did, I never got out. And one day, Jesus came along beside me. He saw my condition. And without a comment, without saying a word, without any advice, he took off his regal robe and he climbed down into the muck and the mire of the ditch with me. And he lifted me up to help me. What I could not do for myself, Christ did for me. That's the good news. If I go down to the shoreline, if you go down to the shoreline, and we find a dead seagull, and we throw it up in the air, what does it do? It just comes right back down, plop. If we say, fly bird, fly bird, and we grab it and we throw it up in the air again, plop, it falls right back to the ground. The only thing that will make the seagull fly is new life. That's the thing it has to have before it can fly. It doesn't need to turn over a new leaf. It doesn't need to make a new resolution. It doesn't need this. It doesn't need that. What it needs is a new life. It needs something to put new power into those wings. Willpower won't do it. Notes on your mirror won't do it. Notes on your refrigerator to remind you of something. That won't do it. What Paul is trying to tell us is that God wants us to have the power that we need to change everything in our life that's wrong. Remember what Jesus said. The truth will set you free. Last point. Commit all you are to Christ. This is the foundation for starting anew and fresh. You commit yourself, all you are, to Christ. The good, the bad, the ugly, the hurts, the bad habits, the hang-ups. All of it. We commit it to Christ. You may be sitting here this morning saying, give me one good reason why I should do that this morning. Okay, I will. I'll give you one good reason. Because you have tried a lot of other things and they didn't work. But this will work. I want to read to you one of the most ridiculous articles that I have ever read in my whole life. I've read a lot of articles. It's out of the New Women's Magazine. The topic on the title on this uh, article was this, 10 Ways to Feel Better Fast. These are ways that people can cope in the world when they have hang-ups and hurts and bad habits. That's what they said. Number one, Barbara responded, I hurry home and tune my TV to HGTV. 
and I feel better right away. Number two, Jan says, when my life gets me down, I check out mentally. I imagine myself on a deserted island with Richard Gere. <laughs> Number three, Kathy said, I cure my depression by shopping. I think that's the most popular one on here. <laughs> Number four, Rita, I find comfort in food. When I'm down in the dumps, I go to the nearest deli and I demand pastrami on rye. Karen, number five, says, pick me, my pick-me-up is to carefully plan my revenge. <laughs> number six, Nadine says, the way I cope with life is I get a real kick out of dressing my daughter's Barbie doll. <laughs> and number seven, Stephanie, I rent a Fred Astaire movie and I play it on my computer. You know what was next in the article was? The magazine itself gave two or three suggestions. They, you know, were the wise editors. If you're having a hard time coping, read the first love story that you ever read. Read it again. Or get away by yourself for a weekend. The last suggestion that they gave was get rid of all your old underwear. Get rid of all of it. Give me a break. Is that the best that the world can do? Give me a break. Folks, when I read stuff like that, I make no apologies to stand up in front of uh, congregations and say, you know, the solution, the help, the power that you need is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Not in anything like that. There are millions and millions of people throughout history who are living proof that the Lord Jesus changes lives. He changes lives. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone becomes a Christian, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. This is real change. You can plug in to God's power. Contrast that article to a letter to the editor of Time magazine. They had run an article asking the question, Who was Jesus? A letter is from Mike Mandel from Toronto. He said this, As far as I'm concerned, the liberal theologians can keep their historical Jesus and their cut-and-paste Bible. I am a former alcoholic, I'm a former adulterer, set free by the power of the living Christ. Who cares about higher criticism when the resurrected Son of God can transform us in the here and now of life? You may be thinking this morning that if you become a Christian that God will make you a wild fanatic. No, he won't. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. God doesn't want to make you a fanatic. He wants to give you self-control. He wants to give you a power to make the changes in your life that you need to make, to build a love 
within you that can have and continue to have lasting, loving relationships and self-control to stop defeating yourself. My question to you is, if you're tired of trying to force yourself to change and come up short, let me say again, willpower won't work. My advice to you is to stop trying and start trusting. This morning, if you're in the house and for whatever reason you've never trusted and believed in Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you today to take a stand for him who died for you. I want to encourage you today to say yes to Jesus and plug into the power that he wants to put in your life. If you've been visiting with us for a period of time, we'd love to have you come and join with us and be a part of our family. We'd love to have you come and use the spiritual gifts that God has given to you to serve him on a weekly basis. If you sense that the Holy Spirit of God is tugging at your heart this morning in any way, please don't resist. Please don't hold back. Just let go. Let God have his way this morning. I'll be standing down here at the front waiting on you to come. Let's stand together.